Hi everyone, today we have Mandy with us. So Mandy, tell me a little about yourself. Hi Reem. Um, so I'm 44 year old single mom of a little boy, eight year old. Um, and so it's coming up on about five years, I would say my world was uh, shattered when um, it came to light my ex-husband's addiction right because there obviously was things going on before but um i'm sure a lot of people can relate or will be able to relate and hearing there's a lot of things going on and we don't want to look we don't want to see it it's too painful to look at so um yeah so it's been i guess four year uh almost four years since uh, my son or i has seen or heard from my um, ex-husband who never did come out of addiction so I'm raising him on my own I have a great support system around me um, we're doing well we're healthy so I got us stabilized and healthy using local resources and I am almost complete my certificate for addictions counseling so this affected my life in such a great way um, I want to give back and be able to help so how was life like supporting someone who was in active addiction? Um, it was hell. Uh, and you don't, like I said, you don't realize what's going on. There's still that level of blindness. Um, it's difficult because I feel like you always want to nurture and love your family and loved ones. So that's, uh, to me, the complex part. Um, yeah, it was just hell going through that when I look back. N living with no, no freedom. So how did you, how did you navigate this? Did you have any support around you? Um, in the beginning, I felt like I was drowning. That's how I would explain before I found my supports. Um, is it okay if we talk about local supports? Yeah, Kareem? of course. Okay. So, um, geez, it's hard to remember back. So in the beginning, I felt like I was drowning. That's all I remember. Not knowing what it was. Um, not knowing where to get help uh, it's not like you can just go to one place i guess i feel that would help with um addictions in in particular like i i guess if you go to the hospital you can get different pieces of things so um before uh i started on support side at brentwood i guess so i i started out there and then i got into other recovery programs i utilized um hiatus house I utilize local support groups, other support groups like Naranon for families of loved ones. Um, yeah. So just reaching out, reaching out. I kept reaching out is what I'm grateful for. Looking, looking for help. So what kind of, like, how did the support, um, whether it was community programs that you were joining or friends or family, like, how did that support? Um, really helped the process of, you know, understanding that you knew someone that was in active addiction? Hmm. It helped me learn that the family is, um, it, the whole system contributes to, um, I don't know how to say that right, yeah. it's a family disease. So it opened my eyes very slowly. It's a very slow process, but we all have a part and I think that's hard for people to understand. We primarily, I think, look at someone who's suffering sub substance abuse and we think it's their fault, they're out of control and they're the problem. 
and oftentimes it, and not oftentimes, all times it's a family disease. There's a lot of contributing factors. So it was very, very confusing in the beginning. Um, I just uh, was seeking information and I just kept seeking information and understanding. So I'm, I'm grateful for that, that I had that in me to keep searching and searching for answers to understand what it was. So with your journey and trying to understand addiction and again, like the family role in addiction, what you just stated. So what is something that you wish people knew about addiction? Uh, that it's a disease, not a choice. Yeah. That's my main, that's the main thing I think of when you say that. Do you feel that addiction as a whole is stigmatized? Yeah, definitely. And I feel like even a person that, you know, five years into my own recovery, I can still be inside judgmental. And and that's the really hard part. We're really judgmental as human beings. Um, we have the wrong ideas. And when things are happening and I find myself in any kind of judgment, it's shutting down eh, and not wanting to help the, the people that are suffering. And I feel like that we're all here to help each other. So that's where I, I struggle sometimes. Because if you get into that judgmental kind of shut down way, then we're not open to be helping and learning and educating and, you know, coming together as a community, because this is quite the beast. I feel like it's quite the beast of, a, of a, an issue. It's affecting a lot of people in our city and around the world. Do you think that as you're learning about addiction, as you're learning about your own judgments, like what kind of things were brought into light? Like what changed? Can we talk about the growth mm -hmm. in that? What changed for me, I guess, um, I might have to have you repeat it, but the first thing that comes to mind is with addiction, they, I don't know the percent, but you'll often hear, I don't know if people out there even know that until it affects you personally. 5% um, is the substance and 95% is the thinking. So um, and what I've noticed generally, too, is in just across humankind, I find we're very judgmental and harsh on ourselves. And, um, and that, to me, is where the, the kind of addictive behaviors, they, they get a hold. And um, that's where it breeds, eh? And the negative thinking and the negative self-talk and the negative um, coping mechanisms. But if you think of as addic addiction as a coping mechanism, that helped me at one point find some kind of understanding and forgiveness. It's just a poor and very dangerous coping mechanism. So I don't know if I answered that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you did. So, um, so you kind of, you were aware of how your thinking and how your behavior was affecting um, sort of your understanding of your ex-husband's addiction. So when, like what kind of sparked a light in terms of changing your thoughts and your views of addiction, like there must have been some kind of aha moment, right? Hmm. I don't know. The main thing that stands out for me and like in my own recovery process, and I know in the 12 step processes and everything um, is to me, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm answering this right. So you might have to, if I'm not, help me. But um, what my aha thing about this whole thing and problems with, um, you know, people in general and as human beings is that our feelings and um, understanding our feelings, um, having awareness where we're at, um, 
and it, that it's okay to get help. That stands out to me a lot too. I feel like as human beings, we all think that we should know things and we should be able to keep it together. That's very dangerous. So it's okay to reach out for help. And I feel like it's okay to share where we're really at. I think there's a lot of people walking around trying to be fine and trying to be okay. And especially with the pandemic right now, there's a lot of people out there suffering. Um, Yeah. And as a family member um, and a person in recovery myself, um, shoot, I'm sorry. My mind just went on me there. I think it's so important to reach out for help. And if you have a loved one suffering, I feel like it's, they always say, put your, put your oxygen mask on first. You have to find help for yourself and get that continued help. Because I just took something, a course last week that was saying, this is an ongoing thing. Addiction isn't a quick fix or quick cure, or, you know, the person's not just going to stop because it's bad that they're doing that to themselves and affecting people around them. It's a lifelong, um, it's a lifelong thing. Do you think that, um, I kind of just want to touch on something you just said. So a lot of times when we are supporting someone who is an active addiction, our first instinct is to think, you know, um, addiction is like the behavior or the the substance that they're using is bad. So they need to stop. Uh, We force them to go into recovery. So do you think that like the concept of meeting people where they're at, like, does that resonate with you? Yeah, it really does. Because I don't think there's one, only one way to recover. And I remember thinking, when we finally got help, when we finally called the cops and the paramedics came, I thought, wow, okay, finally, now we're going to get the help we need. And this is going to be fixed. And it's not a fix. It's a, like, it's a lifelong process. So even just getting self help, self help, um, and going into program of recovery, my own self, it's an ongoing process to understand and get through these things. So it's not a, it's not simple. It's not just they're going to go into rehabilitation and come out and be fixed. It's so different than a broken leg. And another thing about that is that I feel like it's a coping mechanism for depression, anxiety, hundred percent. And, um, and, and it, we can't see those things. And that's what, that's really bothersome. It's not like someone goes to a hospital and walks in, um, like a broken leg. They know exactly what to do to me, this kind of people with substance abuse, um, problems. Um, it's not evident, you know, there can be the person next to you at work suffering in addiction greatly and, you know, still able to work and hold a job and seemingly be normal. And that's the really scary part. It's the same with mental health. I feel like it's a coping mechanism for mental health. Definitely. If somebody was listening, uh, whether they are in active addiction or whether they know someone who is in active addiction or even recovery, um, what's your message to that person who's listening? I think to, it's really, really hard when you love someone who's in active addiction. It's really hard. You want to save them. And the truth is we can't save them. And that's heartbreaking. Um, and you have to get help for yourself and no one. And I remember in the beginning when I heard that, I, I couldn't stand the thought of it. Like the beginning of this to me felt like peeling my own skin off. And it sounds like really weird to say such a thing. And then the people struggling with addiction. I just heard last week from a, 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 CMA, a CAMH course that um, to keep our minds open and um, the woman that spoke, I forget her last name, but two things really stood out to me. One was 
for the person struggling with addiction to get curious about that addiction and to take a look at it and to consider that there's different types of things she said that you can try on like you don't there's not one route to uh, healing addiction so to take a look at all those resources and it can look it can be harm reduction it can be a treatment inpatient outpatient it can be talking to your doctor it can be looking at programs um, there's addiction medicine there's so many varieties and it doesn't I think have to be a massive I think a lot of people don't seek treatment because they think that abstinence is the only way or you know and typically I think family members and we all think abstinence in the beginning when we don't know what addiction is about but there are different kinds of ways to get toward that or to harm reduce, you know, harm reduction and be safe during the time until the person's ready um, to come to terms with the, to come to terms with what's really going on. There's, I think, gent gentler approaches. Yeah. And what's the second thing that you've learned? Second? Yeah. So I just said, um, I said, what's your message to someone who is struggling with addiction? And then you said that you watched, like you took a class yesterday. Um, so the first one was that like, there's many different ways to recovery and healing. I just wanted to know if you remembered the second point. The curious, she suggested the person. So there's many different types of things to try on. Like there's many different methods for healing. And then the other thing was to, for, to suggest for, um, those struggling, you know, family or people struggling with substance abuse to um, get curious about what's going on with them, kind of start asking the questions gently, you know, why are they using and what is going on, kind of self-awareness and start exploring, kind of getting to know themselves and where, what do they want and where do they want to be? Because we know that, it, like, we know people with substance abuse disorder know it's hurting them. Like we know as humans, what is right, what's yeah. not right and wrong, but for us, what's, I don't want to say it that way. What's hurting us, what's good for us, what's healthy for us or not. So she just suggested getting curious about that and asking some questions to ourselves. Like, what do we want and where do we want to be? And how is this affecting us? And, you know, if we're using substance, why are we using? And, and then maybe navigating gently some different kinds of things to help start toward healing yeah so with that why do you think it's important that we you know you, earlier on you said that addiction is sort of like a beast right like it's there and it's happening so why do you think it's important that we openly talk about addiction that we're encouraging you to share your story or others to share their story I, when I was reading um, before preparing, I, the only thing, the biggest thing that comes to me, and we learn that in recovery, yeah. is secrets kill. Right? We've got people isolating. We've got people thinking specific things that they only think a certain way. It's only them thinking that way. It's only them struggling. Um, it's a very closed in. Like, that disease wants isolation, so it can get you, right? It wants to get you. It wants to bring you down. And I feel like it's just, yeah, we have to keep talking with mental health and um, substance abuse. Um, I think just, I think honestly, I feel and what I've learned myself is sharing and knowing that other people can relate and putting those thoughts to air, they dissipate. Like once we get them out and we get our pain out and we share our pain in a safe environment and we know and we can relate and others have been through it. It's so shocking when you're in these rooms, recovery rooms, 
And I think that is a beautiful thing and it would shock most people. So anyone that's fearful out there that hasn't stepped foot inside recovery, I would encourage you to give it a try. None of these places are going to force you to speak. You're welcome. And you're going to talk when you're ready. And when you walk into a room and someone, you meet someone that you've never met before and they're saying your story, you know, it makes you realize that there's thousands of people around the world that it's happening to and none of us know each other. And so on that note, my ex-husband, I started to realize that when I would meet people and they had the same story and, but they never met me and their loved one had never met my husband, but they're exhibiting the same behaviors and everything that goes along with it, then you realize, wow, this really is a disease because it's not like those people were, you know, together making a plan to hurt their family members, you know, or hurt hurt themselves. It's not like they want to, you know, live a sad life where they can't have happiness and hope and joy, you know, all the things we get in recovery, you know? Do you think that as you were going into different programs and different support systems, Did you find that when you were meeting people that were kind of similar story, did that help in in your understanding and in your healing? Yeah, thousand percent. Even in my group that I'm in now, um, I ended up going through Brentwood myself um, and uh, it's a fantastic program and we have such a support system. I mean, I'm in touch with people every single day. So I'm talking about we're talking about our feelings. We're talking about where we are at. We're talking about how to live, um, you know, an honest life, a spiritual life, how to be good to others and to know that there's only so much we can do and how, there's only so much we can control and our jobs to keep us healthy, healthy first. And those are a lot of things to learn, you know? So, um, you know, I know that you openly talk about addiction and this, this episode is going really great, but I do want to touch on one thing. So, what do you think the biggest thing that is missing in conversations about addiction? What don't, what are we not talking about um, in schools and public settings and I don't know, um, family gatherings? Like what are, what is one thing that is missing? I feel like the education piece, like a lot of people don't truly understand yeah. um what addiction is like I'll, I'll hear someone say oh my mom's an alcoholic and I'll say well what does that mean to you well she drinks a lot you know and no we and people don't really that's all people see it as it's just someone who drinks a lot and some or someone who takes drugs a lot or we see different people having maybe a criminal record maybe losing their job maybe going through a divorce right but I don't think there's a great understanding of what's really happening it's just this person's doing this and I don't know if that makes sense. There's not a deeper understanding of what addiction is, what it does to the brain, how it affects people. Um, we were just taking on that course last week. I mean, addiction comes before that drug becomes before your food. That's how strong that is in the brain and how it takes over. It, it becomes um, primary before eating, primary before love relationships primary it's just it does such a number on the brain I don't think people realize the science behind it that's the thing that I've learned in school and um the the language is very terrible like when people aren't educated and we don't understand these things and you've got all these you know everyone going around out there kind of it's like kind of racial slur not racial slur but a slur I don't know if racial is not the right word sorry um it's like a societal it's a slur on somebody it's a 
like label, right? As we're talking, label me. Yeah. It's a very, and people don't understand that because when you say, hey, whoa, you know, you just said this and they say, yeah, well, you know, yeah, I don't even want to repeat the things I've heard. They're so unacceptable to me. People that are struggling and in pain, you'll hear, okay, so that person's a loser. They don't have a job. That's just an example. I don't, I don't even like saying that, but what about that person's in pain and can't cope? They can't get out of bed. People can't see what's behind it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like we're, I guess, like as a society, we're focusing on addiction from like a surface level point of view. We're not really mm-hmm. taking the time to understand like the roots, the, the the deeper, sort of like an iceberg, right? So I hope we get there. That's where I hope the conversation leads because it's, we're, um, it's not, we're not in a good place. Everything that's going on out there right now is really escalating. A lot of people are struggling with mental health, even people without substance abuse issues and I I don't feel like um, our community is not in a good way right now and it's like if there was this education um, if people could under find some understanding I I know it's hard because when you're struggling with a loved one in the beginning I was very retaliative and very angry and very shut down because I just thought it was being done to me and I didn't know what I know now it was just it was so painful um, yeah, I just became very angry because I was very confused and I didn't understand why my loved one was doing that or choosing that or doing these things. And it's, it's very painful. So how does, like, what kind of emotions are you feeling right now in the present? I'm calm. Um, I feel I've gotten past the hard part. It's been five years. Um, although I do find afterward, there's like a residual because those emotions are in there. So I will kind of get, um, it's like a physiological, I think effect, like a a little bit of a drained feeling. Um, but I'm able to center myself. And like I said, I have such a great support system. Then they are heavy emotions. Um, I feel there's still things to work through, you know, even though it's been five years, it's a lot of loss. Like you lose your person that you're married to, you lose my son's lost his father. he was a very important person in our life. I don't know that he realized that. And I believe when one is in addiction, um, they can't even see that. They they have no ability to even see that. And it has them so far down. And they really don't think that anyone does care or want them around. That's the sad part. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel I have the right tools now. Um, I do think we have a lot of great facilities in the city, a lot of great agencies. Um, I don't believe they're connected enough and or know enough about each other so that would be my hope for the future like bridging the gaps and and really connecting and educating I think we need to really really educate people in the community I I personally would think it would be great if this was in schools like even a mindfulness kind of class and emotions and things like I I feel like a lot of us are talking and saying that's a big piece missing in our school system the like being mindful and being present in the moment right yeah, and feelings and knowing how to regulate your own self and your own feelings and different things like that. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Any other message or sort of like a, a message you want to tell to the audience, the listeners? Yeah, definitely. Whether you're suffering with a substance abuse issue yourself, whether you're unsure 
you might think, well, maybe I do more. Maybe I'm, oh, I'm not like that other guy. You know, if you're questioning at all or a family member of, please reach out. There's a lot of great resources in our city. Um, I can't think of the place online right now. I think that we just learned um, Health Canada. I think you can go on their website and there's a link for substance um, abuse disorder and all the resources are there. I believe that's the link. And um, you're worth it. So if you're even questioning it at all, um, you know, for sure look into getting some help. And if you try something and it doesn't work, you know, continue trying because there's all different kind of agencies and programs, a lot of great programs in the city. And um, I don't know, it's just taking that tiny step. It doesn't have to be a massive, massive step. It's just like a tiny step toward change and just getting a little bit of education and gaining a little bit of self-awareness because you deserve it. And I, that's what I would say. So what's your message to someone who, you know, is in your position? Um, sort of like the support system for someone who is an active addiction? I think it's important to reach out for help. There's a lot of specific help and um, really have to put yourself first because we're always looking at the person suffering and we think we're going to fix them, help them, save them. And um, it's not the truth. It's their own choice. So all, all we can do, and that was the hardest lesson for me, is to get ourselves healthy, learn boundaries and get ourselves healthy so that we can be there for our loved one when they do need help, right? We can direct them to resources. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening and until next time.